Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Around the world, around the world, around the world. Hi, hi, and welcome back to season five, and we're getting off on a great, let's start, aren't we, Kaz? Yeah, hello, everyone. Welcome back. We're buzzing. Bringing the energy. Bringing the energy. That's what we need. There's a bit of a clue in that song we just played, Joe. (laughs) We've got a theme, haven't we, both? We have, because we... Loved the theme last week and it was went down quite well. Yeah. We've decided to come back with a bang. And what's our theme, Kaz? Around the world, around... Crimes around the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing crimes around the world this series, aren't we? I oh, can't wait. So, so we're... yeah, we're going to do about 12, 14 episodes, something like that, aren't Yeek. we? Yeah, and, big, uh, big series, this one. Yeah, we go, it's all around the world and back. Oh, yeah, we've tried to pick out as many, or all the continents. We, um, we think it's all the continents. To be fair, I couldn't be bothered to look it up. <laughs> I think Australia's a continent, but if I it's not, it forgive me, yeah. I don't know. No. I think the jury's out. Yeah. Let's just, let's just say it is. It is. We skipped the North and South Pole continent yeah. because nothing really happens there. No. Maybe someone stole a penguin once. Oh, poor penguin. But yeah, we thought that would make a very entertaining <laughs> episode. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're well excited, aren't we? Oh, can't wait. Cannot wait. And we really hope you enjoy it. Yes. So, let the credits roll. Series 5 of Blue Murder Club. I'm your host, Lauren, and here with me today is... Hello, it's Carrie here, Lauren's fellow host. Fellow host. Hey, Carrie. Hello. Episode 1. Episode 1. Yeah. yeah. How good is this? Back for Series 5. I can't wait, Kez. Can't believe it. Like, five series. Five it means we've series. been going nearly a year now. I know. Yeah. We're doing well, I think. Well... The jury's out. <laughs> We've got four out of five stars on Spotify at the moment. Oh, there you go. But I, I think, I don't know. I think that's a bit harsh. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. No. <laughs> Listen, we're doing all right. That's all that matters. I'll enjoy it. You enjoy it. Let's just crack on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, we're buzzing, aren't we, Series 5? Because we've got a yeah. lovely theme again around the world. Oh, 
What a great feat. It's going to be epic, isn't it? It is. Well, we hope so. Mm. I just want to jump on the plane and let's go travelling. Oh, wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be good to do some on-the-ground like research for all yeah. these different cases? But we'll just research it from here yeah, in it'll be England. Fine. It'll be fine. fine. So yeah. what have you been up to? Well, I've been to the gym this morning, did spinning. I'm trying to just rediscover my summer body, Lauren, because it seems to have fucked off. Yeah, mine is hiding So, yeah. Well, blubber. I've been... <laughs> tell me about it. I've been getting up at 6.30, 6 o'clock every day the last two weeks, going nice. down the gym, trying to stop eating shit. And I don't think I've lost a pound. Oh. <laughs> but it's fine. My clothes are fitting better. That's the main thing. Yeah, that's all that So, matters. it's all right. And I was in, the, well, this is going to sound well out of order, but I had a shower at the gym this morning. And as I was getting changed, I was, you know how you just can't help but see other people mm-hmm. that are getting changed? And I thought, not that bad. You're not. Like, to be fair, Kez, you've got the most rocking body I've ever seen. So oh, thanks, babe. I always aim to look like you, but it never quite happens. So, um, see, I think the same about you. I think I'd love to look like you. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Mm. You've got it going on. No. <laughs> Anyway, that's enough of blowing smoke up each other's backside. Other than that, no, I ain't really done a lot, to be honest. Um, No, to be honest, no, I'm so buzzing for this series. I've just been, my head down, just getting really immersed in it. It's fucking great to be back. It is, Mm. and it's a big old case this week, isn't it? Yeah, have you been up to anything this week? Not really. Oh my God, tell our listeners about your audition. Oh, so we had someone (laughs) reach out to us to um, try and audition for a TV show. So it's a quiz show. It's a bit like, I want to say, Crystal Maze on meth, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I had my audition Friday, but mm. I won't know much more until a couple of weeks. So by the time this is coming out, hopefully we'll know a bit more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, I wet my mic. <laughs> oh, I'm very excited of all hands this morning. <laughs> it's usually me, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, cool. Anyway, yeah, like you say, we're buzzing for this series and episode one, eek, it's Here a big we one. We thought we'd we'd come in with a with a blinding episode. Going, go, no, go up. Go, go hard or go home. That's the one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is a fucking massive case, isn't it? It is. I'm sweating thinking of how big of a case this is. Yeah. And everything I've watched, listened and spoke to, everyone coming at different angles. Oh, really? Yeah, so... Mm. I'm just hoping that I do the first bit justice. <laughs> you always do. You'll be fine. Well, I've been um, practising my pronunciation. Well, not that word because I can't say that word, but that word. <laughs> do you know what? That was one of our biggest concerns when we picked around the world was how the fuck are we going to pronounce all these oh. names? Wait till we get to our Japanese cases. It's oh, going to be carnage. <laughs> what we could do is just press pause and pay and just play the pronunciation on Google. So oh. it's a robot saying it instead of us. Yeah, good day. <laughs> we'll see how we get on. Sounds like hard work, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, do you want to tell our listeners what case we are starting with? We we're kicking sure off with. Can. Mm. Um, so it comes under a mini name, doesn't it? But it's the Norway attacks Anders Brevik. Mm. Did I make something right? Mm. Oh, good. Yes. So this man is a just an absolute asshole of a man. It's a spree crime, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think, what did you say yesterday? It's one of the biggest... I think it's the biggest spree killing in the world. Yeah. It beats even that Vegas one in America. Really? Yeah, the body count was much higher than that and one. And he didn't die at the end. He's still alive. Yeah. Mm, yeah, enjoying himself, playing his PlayStation. Die. Yeah. Dickhead. I know. I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I think I'm going to keep saying sorry. dickhead all the yeah, way through this. I but agree. yeah, I yeah, agree. I it, concur. It was a very well, very well planned mm-hmm. uh, strategic attack 
It was. And I don't think it couldn't have gone any better for him. No. And it was nine years in the making as well, wasn't it, this attack? Was it? Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll get to it, but mm-hmm. yeah. So, are you ready? Yes, I am. So, buckle up. <laughs> we'll, we'll see it on an airplane. That's what I'm trying to fire exits are here, here and here. <laughs> and let's go to Norway. Don't, I need one of them extendable belts. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, babe, yeah, yeah, off you go. So... Anders Breivik was born in Oslo, 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 Oslo. Sorry, on the thirteenth of February, nineteen seventy-nine. He was the son of a woman called Venka Beiring, and she was a nurse. And Jens David Breivik, who was a civil economist, economist. That's the one. Who worked as a diplomat for the Norwegian Embassy in London, and then he later moved later in life to, on to Paris. He had four and a half, uh, four half siblings, one from his mum and three from his dad. So, fun facts for you, Kaz. Brevik is a name from Brevika in Hadsel, Norway, and it means broad bay. Mm. So, I think people in that area, like in Norway, maybe get named after places they're from. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I liked that one. So, yeah. his life starts off just pretty shitty, Kaz. From the minute, well, he was conceived, rather, not born, conceived. So when Venka was pregnant with Anders, she tried to have an abortion. However, in England at the time, she was over the three-month mark, which meant she was too far along to have one. So um, she seems to hate him even before he's born. And this could be because of her own relationship with her mother. And it's, you know, one of them cycles that just play out time and time again, you see? Mm-hmm. So, um, when Venka was born, her mother caught polio and she blamed Venka for this. So, Venka's basically doing the same sort of thing. She was known to say that when the baby was kicking, that he was doing it on purpose to torment her. Now, that time in a mother's life is the most important time, isn't it? And to say that, like, you just... I remember feeling such a rush of love when I felt the baby kicking. I don't know if he was the same. Mm. To say that the baby's tormenting you, I just, yeah, I didn't like it. So when Anders was born, he was blue due to the lack of oxygen. And Venka thought that this was was really abnormal and a sign. And um, she starts sinking into a more of a depression over this kid. So she stops breastfeeding him and she said he was draining the life from her. She's fucking nasty old care, isn't she? She didn't want him. No, she didn't so, from the get go. She, she, yeah. So, it's weird, isn't it? I wonder why, like, she's married. She's already had a child. Why she mm-hmm. didn't want this one? Do you think she had some sense that he was going to? <laughs> That's why I, I was actually thinking that, and I yeah, that he was actually going to gonna be. Yeah. I mean, because she picked up on it from the minute that baby that she, entered her womb. That he started kicking her. Yeah. Yeah. She, she knew something weren't quite right there. I mean, she weren't fucking wrong, was she? No. Look what he's turned out to be. Yeah, so um, Anders spent the first year of his life in London, but his parents' marriage wasn't a happy one. Maybe that's why as well. She weren't happy with the pregnancy. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe she wanted to mm. scarp her, but then she got pregnant, yeah. so she felt like she couldn't leave the marriage. Yeah, yeah. could they? So mm. they, but they end up divorcing only a, when, like a year into having Anders. Yeah. So Venka takes him back and his half-sibling, they both go back to Norway. While his dad stayed in London. When he was two years old, Venka, and I've 
putting commas, wanker. <laughs> Disdain of Anders was still present. She called him a nasty and clingy child, and he was only two years old, Kaz. Mm. So he would like to share the bed with her and all that. And there, again, I don't know about you, but my child was very cuddly, very loving at that age. I think yeah. it's a lovely age. It's my favourite age for <laughs> yeah. children. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think most kids at that age are quite clingy because you're all they know. Yeah, of course. It's natural, in it, for a two-year-old yeah. to like, be yeah. clingy. <laughs> exactly. So when Anders gets a bit older, Venka decides she can't handle her two children seven days a week. So she decides to farm the kids out to a young couple for the weekends. Yeah. Which is fucking weird. She's a single parent, right? Yeah, yeah. So we now know that Venka and the mother were both paranoid schizophrenics. They've been diagnosed. But at the time, I don't know if that's the case. So she would believe that Anders was the devil and brought to her, brought to her just to torment her. But at this time, Anders is starting to show quite concerning, I believe, in this day and age, quite concerning behaviour himself. Mm. So I think she's, as you said, bang on the money at this point. Mm. So she was very, she was quite abusive and ruled with a hard hand towards him. So things take a bit of a turn when this young couple come to collect the kids one weekend. And Anders was about six years old at this point. And Venka asked the male if Anders could touch his penis as he had no father figure in his life and had no one to compare to. Yeah. That's fucking horrid, isn't it? <laughs> Disgusting. The young couple was speechless. By this time, it must have seemed to Anders that he was unlovable and had no one to turn to. And it was said of him that he took no joy in his life. So this is from teachers. He had no spontaneity. Yeah. <laughs> that word. <laughs> and had no capacity for empathy. Yeah. So he's starting, as I say, to show a bit of a different side already. Mm. So the Oslo Health Board came into his life when Venka said she wished he was dead. And in his case notes with this health board, they noted him that he was aggressive and nasty to go with him. So that's in his case notes. So they're seeing this side now mm. of the child. But nothing was done. Um, and he carried on living with his mum and his sister. He had no friends and he liked to snap heads off of roses when he was about this age, throwing stones through windows and he liked to kill ants. <laughs> yeah. I killed an ant yesterday. Oh no. It came in from the garden when I cleaned the car, it was on the bucket. And I, I must admit, I squished it without even thinking about it. Oh really? Sorry. No, you know what I did last weekend and I'm still really tormented oh, by Oh, you didn't tread on a snail, did you? I no. fucking hate it when I do that. No. Oh no, I don't like that either. I was mowing the grass and I mowed a frog. <gasps> yeah. No. Bloodbath. I feel so bad. Kermit bloodbath. I feel so, so, so bad about it. Like, it makes me feel physically sick. And then I had to try and clear it up and I couldn't. I was crying. <laughs> and I tried to get my husband to do it because I couldn't. And I was going to the dogs, can you come with me? Just there with me because I was not brave. Oh no, yeah. did it die out right? Yeah. Oh, that's a blessing. At least he didn't feel oh, anything. Oh, yeah. There was not much yeah, left of it. Left of it. Fucking hell, Lauren. I felt awful. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I've never killed a frog. I think, it, it I think I'd really be upset. Yeah, I was, I was like, I'm welling up there. It was yeah. bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah. Right. Let's who's, get back to the who's story. Who's going to tell Miss Piggy that her love is <laughs> oh, done? No. <laughs> no. Right. Let's get back to the story. Yeah. Back to the story. 
So he also kept pet rats and he'd like to poke and torment them with pencils. Mm. So again, it's showing this nasty behaviour, isn't it? So as he grew, he became a bully and relished in making younger kids cry. At the age of 13, he became a tagger. Do you know what a tagger is? Mm. Graffiti artist. I'd never come across this term before. Oh, really? Yeah. I fancied ourselves as taggers at 13 years old at school when you used to tag furniture. Lou was here. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, Yeah, tag. It's your tag, isn't it? Yeah, I did not know how you identify. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he briefly joined a gang. His tagger's name was Morg. After an executioner in a Marvel comic who murders, murders his own people. Mm. Foresight right there, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, he did. So, his difference was soon noted by the rest of the gang and they fell out. So, Anders was arrested twice and his dad then cut all ties with him. To be fair, his dad weren't a main thing in his life anyway. Mm. And he comes across quite cold, his mm. dad. He lived in another country. Mm-hmm. So, and he's, but he's basically told him, for this arrest, which is, I think, quite harsh because it ain't a massive arrest, but mm. anyway, yeah, that he wanted nothing else to do with him. Yeah. So at this point, he's left the gang, and he's got into weight training, weight training, sorry, and using steroids. Now, steroids has a an effect on certain people, doesn't it? Mm. It makes them quite angry, quite aggressive. That's right. Quite. I think it shrinks your willy a bit as well. Oh, that's what I've heard. It grows your it. muscles, but shrinks your willow. And then obviously, but that's a muscle. That's going to make you. It's not a muscle, Lauren. Is it not? It's not a muscle. Oh, all right. Then. I've never seen a piece of equipment <laughs> in a gym that makes yeah. you not get stronger. We'll get a little barbell for it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. But yeah, so, it makes your muscles big and you're really tiny and then that pisses you off even more because no man wants a tiny little willy. No, nah, so. that's what, the, I reckon that's what it boils down to then. He looks like micro penis, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Little mushroom. <laughs> little, little mushroom. What is it? Um, what's that fellow <laughs> called? Enrique Iglesias said he had, um, <laughs> is it like a chipolata? Did he? I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. Stop it. But yeah, I mean, his girlfriend is Anna Kornikova, like yeah, one of the most true. beautiful women in the world. She doesn't seem to mind his micro penis. I don't think that's down to steroids because he don't look like he's on steroids. No. It's just like naturally. Well, it's the motion in the ocean, you know. It's not <laughs> matter of size; it's how you use it, I suppose. That's Maybe what he they just say. knows how he does it. <laughs> that's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the hangover with the little the Chinese man when he gets his little butter mushroom out? No. He's tiny, it's like... When the, dunk, the monkey's near it, it's bad. Watch it. <laughs> God, mate, I'm going to... All right. Anyway, so, back to the story. Yeah. So by this time, his interest is... He's fell out with his best mate. His interest is flagging with the graffiti, so he turns his attention towards the Norway's progress party. And so... A like that I can liken it to is the UK's UKIP party. Yeah. So it's anti-immigrant, anti-socialist and anti-tax. I think his anger uh, towards his mother was also by this because she was a Labour supporter. So just to do an up yours to her maybe. So by the time of him being 18, he was the chairman of the Oslo West Youth Wing. Right. <gasps> that was a tongue twister. Oh, la, 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 la. Still at this time, people were really weary of him. Even in this party, he was giving major red flags, Kath. Major. 
and it's noted that there was something really off about him. After failing to become a candidate of the party, he really throws a tantrum and just, like, lets go of it because no-one liked him, so no-one voted for him to be in the running. Mm. Yeah, so he's got the ump and just pulled out. So that says a bit about him, I think, as well. So he tries to enlist in the army, but was rejected. And they, they basically said, I think something like unsuitable. <laughs> she. In Norway, I think they have national service. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you read about this little no, bit. Um, but when um, I when I, I used to know Norwegian briefly, and he said about the national service, because mm-hmm. we had it in this country up until, I don't know, I don't know how many years ago, but after the end of the Second mm-hmm. World War, I think most of the European countries had national service yeah. just in case they needed to call up mm-hmm. an army again. Uh, but yeah, Norway still do it, and um, he got he got out of it, I think, because he was a carer for his mum. Ah. But you'd think that'd be right up his street because yeah. he loves all that shit, doesn't he? All yeah. that neo-Nazi exactly. guns, I know. Pff, uniforms, the lot. Yeah. He's that type, isn't he? He is. So, he really yeah. is. So, but I and he does try to get in mm. there, but he was rejected. So mm. shame on him. Maybe because he didn't go the first time round. Mm. Don't know. But sorry, yeah. So in two thousand and two, at the age of twenty three, he opened a business, um, a computer programming business. And in the background of this big business, he was printing and selling fake certificates, like diplomas and doc doctorates. Documents. Doc. Creates. Doc creates. Like becoming a doctor. So he could oh, make you got a you. doctor with fake mm. certificates. Yeah. He was getting quite a bit of money from doing this. Um, Just briefly hinting on, a second cousin got him into the Freemasons for a bit. So I think I can see that in him as well, can't you? Mm. So after a while, his business started to decline. So... Again, what does he do? So we know he's like just thrown the towel in sulking. So he's done exactly the same. He's locked his wealth away, sold his apartment and gone to live back with his mum. Um, he spent the fi- next five years playing violent war games non-stop like Call of Duty. I was going to say CODs, but I thought, no, I'll <laughs> say Call of Duty because yeah. I'm not that cool. <laughs> and the only reason he did was to watch the... Um, oh, the only reason he'd stop... I love this fun fact was to watch the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, really? The rest of the time he was gaming and just messaging people, yeah. Yeah. But the only time he would take a breather was to watch one Eurovision. of our favourites, yeah. Eurovision. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he likes music as well as killing people. Would you call it music though, Gaz? <laughs> would you? Norway usually put in a decent they do, actually. song, to be honest. They do. Scandinavia rock yeah, at Eurovision. they do. They do. I've never been Scandi in air parties. Never mind. Hmm. So, um, he gamed 24-7, and while gaming, he met someone that turned his attention onto the net and started to to show him and to go on to anti-Muslim websites. Propaganda was rife on these sites, with false rumours saying that Muslims were going to take over Norway, they were going to rape and murder Scandi women. He starts to blog and gives himself grand titles, such as Knight Commander uh, of the Knight Templar. Freemasons, so that's mm. why I dropped that in now. Um, commander of Norwegian anti-communist resistant movement. So he's giving himself like he's the big I am, the big wig on these sites, you know. He gives the illusion he has a lot of friends and many followers, which he does not. He posts tips. Now, I fucking hate this bit. Really don't like it. So this is one tip he posted on one of his blogs. <clears throat> 
we're in a police uniform, so you can move around and challenged. Getting a job, um, and you also getting a job at a political camp will help you. Mm. And that's all pointing again a lot massive foreseeing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, this is another thing he said, and I'm really going to apologise first because there's a word in here that I don't like. So anyway, this is another bit of information he can give you. Have right, ready, and have professional photos taken so police can release them to the public and not retard-looking photos. Ah, oh, yeah. So he's saying he's saying hire a makeup artist, mm. go on a professional photo shoot. So when you go out and do this crime, because he's thinking people were backing him and behind him, but I think it was a mm. bit more in his head because I don't think he was that popular. <laughs> Story of his life, classic, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, classic dangerous loner. Yeah, so he's going, I can just picture him going out modelling, just so for a police... Yeah. Um, what's the word? Uniforms. Yeah, no, police, so they release this photo of you. Like, who mm. the fuck does that case? Yeah, I know. He's he's a he's a bit of a funny one. He's so strange. So anyway, <laughs> in two thousand and ten he visits Prague where he was told he could buy illegal weapons. It was unsuccessful though, so he decides to retain them legally. In two thousand and eleven he decides to open up a business in farming called Reverick Geofarms, as to not look suspicious when buying fertilizer to start making bombs. He rents a farmhouse and starts to build them. His first attempt was unsuccessful because he bought a large amount of the wrong fertiliser. Mm. I'd have loved to have been a fucking devil on his shoulder. <laughs> he was, after that first buying of that first, first fertiliser, so I'm sorry, he was then under observation when he was... Um, so the police started to put him under observation Yeah, because of that. But then when they realised he was living on a farm and he had a business called uh, Reverick Geo Farms, he, no action was taken and they just ignored it. Yeah. Massive, massive mistake, I'm thinking. Uh, I think so. he was being a bit clever there because he ordered, I think it was something like six tonnes of fertiliser in total. Mm -hmm. Half of it is the type that you can mm -hmm. use to make a bomb. Mm -hmm. The other half, like you said, wasn't. Yeah. So that's why he did it. Ah, see. so that it didn't flag suspicion. Ah, that makes sense. Because if he'd have just only <coughs> ordered the type that you can make a bomb with, yeah, fuck the fact he's on a farm, he'd have been nicked. Yeah, but because he ordered both, that it looks legitimate, sense. and that's that's why. Yeah, ah, that does make sense. So I mean, he wrote off yeah three tons of stuff that he didn't need, but he was like, "Fuck it, I don't care." It's disguising the fact yeah. of the one that I need. Yeah. So. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Back when he had his business, he's back in, um, when he was 23, the computer programming business. That's nine years ago from where we are now. He put this all into consideration and that's what he was making money for. Mm. So he had a lot of money behind him at certain points. But as I say, um, when that business declined, he went bankrupt. So he lost that. But the plans were still in the make- making. So for nine years, Kaz, he was plotting this what we're going to go on to talk about now mm. so nine years that's a massive amount of time i think don't you in a day of a life mm. just constantly he just wanted to watch the world burn so yeah let's get on to the event we're going to start talking about so yeah this brings us up to july 2011 mm-hmm. um Yes, obviously, like you say, it's been in the back of his mind for mm-hmm. a long time. He's not, he's obviously an antisocial person mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But I think he's been planning this actual attack for 11 months. That's what he told the police when they arrested him. It took him 11 months. I suppose that's probably when he rented the farm yeah. and it started yeah. to build the build bombs the and bombs, stuff. Yeah. yeah, He um he did make, he made a bomb, took it somewhere, tested it, mm-hmm. made sure it was working, etc. Um, he used to concentrate sulfuric acid on the farm because that's what he used as well. And then all the time while he's living on this farm, he's accumulating ammunition as well. So he's managed to get hold of like a handgun, a Glock handgun and a rifle Jeez. and ammunition. He's also got um, body armour, police uniform, fake police ID. He made about, I think it was something like a hundred grand, a hundred thousand pounds from the fake document business. So he's fucking good at creating mm. fake documents. So yeah. he's got, it says Polizzi kind of like tag and it mm-hmm. looks so convincing mm-hmm. that it, it really does smooth the way for him to do what he mm-hmm. does on the on the day of the terror attack. So, um, so at some point in July, he goes and visits Utoa uh, Island as a bit of a reconnaissance mission to check the ferries and how often they go over to go around the island, blah, blah. Um, 15th of July, he catches the train from the farm to Oslo and he rents a Volkswagen Crafter van from Avis Rentals um, and he takes the branding off of it and takes it home. Um, On the 18th of July, he loads the van with the bomb weapons, the body armour, and he replaces the branding with some water treatment company, just some bogus water treatment company, um, because he thinks that will explain any weird smells coming out of it people all think oh what's that smell thing oh water company that's why so it wouldn't cause any suspicion mm-hmm. on the 20th of july he drives the van to oslo and he takes his mum out for a meal in the evening on the 21st of july 
he catches the train to the farm to collect a car. So obviously he's left the van in Oslo, gets the train back to the farm, gets the car, that's got the detonator in it, mm-hmm. and he drives that to Oslo and parks it near the van. Um, so in the morning on the 22nd of July, which is the day that terror attacks happen, he moves the car and the van to the executive part of the city. Um, he goes to his mum's, he sends out a manifesto, so he's created this like 15... 15- 100 page document which sounds like the boringest fucking shit on earth it does. which apparently copy and pasted off loads of other people's yeah. bullshit manifestos why is it all these people always have to have a fucking manifesto the ego on it lauren i know i know just fucking pipe down anders you're a prick mate no one likes you and i was also gonna say what is it with serial killers or spree killers and fucking volkswagens they love them yeah they do i know i think this is our third or fourth kev i mean do you know what car i drive yeah, I've got a Volkswagen. Oh yeah, I just realised. <laughs> it's not. It's not a Beetle though. It's not a Ted Bundy mobile, <laughs> and it's not one of these. It's just a Polo. Um, <laughs> Sorry, put my foot right in it. Oh, no, that's fine. Just a joke. Um, so here we are. This is the day. This is the afternoon. Nine minutes past two in the afternoon, he goes back to his mum's apartment, sends out his boring shit manifesto. He wants to send it to something like 6,000 emails that he's got in his address book, but there's a maximum, there's a limit of 1,000, so he sends 1,000. The subject heading of this email is the Islamification of Western Europe. I mean, can you imagine getting an email and that's the subject heading? Yeah. You're like, the fuck? Um, he attaches his YouTube, YouTube video and... Um, like I say, the manifesto is attached to the email as well. And in the main body of the email, um, it's described as this is to do with Islamic resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, the manifesto is titled A European Declaration of Independence. Anyway, this is where this man's head is. He believes he's like a freedom fighter. He's saving the Western world from Islam, Islamic people, Muslims, I suppose, and integration. He doesn't like integration. He obviously don't like Muslims he really doesn't like feminists um and I'm guessing his mum might have been a bit of a feminist and he didn't you know but still he took her out for dinner he still lives with her I don't think they've got that much of a shitty relationship (laughs) and I don't take kindly to when people like this man create do atrocities right he's 32 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so he's a Mm grown-up he's responsible for his actions people are trying to go back in time to blame his Mm -hmm. mum like fuck that shit He's the one who did it. Yeah. Just because she picked on him a bit when he was little. <laughs> oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> she didn't do anything that bad. She said if she did say some nasty things to him, I wouldn't dream of saying it to my children, but fucking grow up. Yeah. Oh, my Get God. Some I don't think that people that are researching this case should be blaming her. I hate it when people blame women for saying that a man's know, done. He's the fucker. He's the fucker who done it. I know. She get didn't some do anything. Counseling, grow up. And yeah. Get on with your life. T- try having some sex. Maybe then you'll take your mind <laughs> off did. of it. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I got massive incel. Incel. Well, did you? Well, massively. Obviously, slightly different. Incels feel like they should be entitled, mm-hmm. and there was nothing I came across where he was rejected by women or anything. He just didn't seem to have. Any interest in anything other than himself, mm. massive narcissist was what I was mm-hmm. getting from him to the point where he didn't even want to really try and get his leg over. Mm. If Maybe if he, he had tried having sex, he might realise that's a bit more fun than creating this yeah, boring manifesto. Life, it? Yeah, <laughs> or fucking around with fertiliser. <laughs> like, he signed the manifesto, he's tagger name, Mark. <laughs> Prick. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, 
Geezer's an idiot. It is really bad. <sighs> really, really bad. Unfortunately, My has gone up. I'm oh, so sorry. Unfortunately, he wasn't such an idiot that he wasn't very successful at what he'd done. Mm. He turned his mind to it. He put that focus on just mass destruction, Lauren, and it's fucking awful. And we say this all the time. If he had put that fucking to good... That focus... Well, yeah, I mean... That focus to good. Yeah. What could have he... What he could have done... By his early yeah. 20s, he was already, like, running a, a huge mm-hmm. turnover company, like... Beyond my wildest dreams, what he's accomplished mm-hmm. within about a year or something. He was obviously like a bright fella, but he just got seemed to have got swamped and um, consumed by this hatred yeah. of Islam yeah. and integration. He and just feminists. couldn't stand it. Anything liberal. Yeah. So this points to his targets. So he um, drives the van, which is packed full of explosives. It's a big van. It's got three tonne of explosives on it. And he drives it right into the government building where Prime Minister works, where all the ministries are. But there's also shops around there, Lauren. It's not... Obviously, say you go to Westminster, there's fucking Pret and Monja and yeah. stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's not only the politicians no. that are there. But he doesn't care about that. So um, he drives it sort of like right in almost like an underground garage, but it isn't. It's very close to the building. And then he's sitting on CCTV, getting out of the van, walking off, and he's dressed head to foot in like police almost like right gear he's got a helmet on with a face shield over it you can see him and this massive bag which you now realise has got like all bits and pieces mm-hmm. in it like guns and whatnot body armour he really does look the part you wouldn't he wouldn't you'd think oh a policeman's parked that there it, it's safe I'm not going to investigate it to be honest he put a detonator on it of only six minutes anyway so even if he had a, if someone had been vigilant and gone what the fuck is that doing there they wouldn't have had time to do anything I, I really don't yeah. think so I think six minutes probably isn't enough time to evacuate a building um, but yeah so he put six minute detonator so he could safely get away yeah he's alright Jack walks to his car gets in the car and I um, the bomb let mm-hmm. me see so this is at 3.18 the van is seen on CCTV driving and parking and he's captured walking away he drives the van to a street lined with government buildings so the government buildings the Ministry of Justice and the Prime Minister's office. Um, the It's the Labour government. The Norwegian Labour government are in power mm-hmm. and, and he doesn't like them at all. He's very right, right-wing, as we've already discussed, and obviously Labour is quite left-wing and liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, yeah, so he's positioned the van aiming to cause the most damage. He was, I think the plan was that the building would collapse. And... Um, Yes, the bomb explodes at 3.25pm and the the building doesn't collapse but it causes total devastation in the area. Mm-hmm. It kills eight people and injures over 200 people. Um, the irony is the Prime Minister was working from home that day so the Prime Minister wasn't even injured at all. Yeah, I read as well. They said if it was any other time of the year it would have been horrendous. The casualties would have been a lot more mm-hmm. but because it was the end of July yeah. that's when most Norwegian people... It's not... a actual holiday but most Norwegians take their holiday at the end of July yeah and it's known as a common holiday so mm. it could have been a fucking lot worse couldn't it Gary well yeah the thing is obviously in this country a parliament has a three month holiday during mm-hmm. summer so I have some in it <laughs> so yeah it'd be the same sign me up yeah buttercup exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah it'd be the same mm-hmm. I suppose it's the same everywhere isn't it? most people take their holidays when the kids are off school which is the end yeah. of July and August so um Funny thing is, when you look at Norway on the map, it seems to be on the same kind of line on the on the uh, globe as England. Mm-hmm. So this particular day, the 22nd of July, it is shit. It's cold, it's windy, it's raining. <laughs> it's a typical British summer, but they've got it over in Oslo. 
Um, but yeah, it doesn't matter. People are still on their holidays mm-hmm. anyway. And during this period of time, there's a one-week retreat on this beautiful island of Utaya. And um, it's called the Labour Youth Summer Camp. And it's like the youngsters that are involved in politics. They're like, you know, <laughs> does what it says on the tin. It's Labour Youth Camp. So there's like hundreds of kids there. A lot of them are the children of the government politicians and the yeah. you know, ministers and whatnot. Some of them aren't. They're just there. Some of them are helpers. Some of them are workers. Obviously, they're going to have cooks, security guards, cleaners. You name it on the islands. They're not all, but most most of them are. Most of them are kids. Just and apparently, Ooh. it's been going for like quite a few years 40 50 years something like that and it's a bit of a rite of passage oh um it's for like the country's elite labor party um and yeah it's a bit of a rite of passage everyone who's like a lot of people that are in government at the moment like the prime minister himself they have really fond memories of spending their week at your tire island and this it's just a really cool summer camp they do camping just play games get involved talk politics and they, they just love it. It's a really yeah. like idyllic thing to do if you're that way inclined and you're lucky enough to be able to go. So, yeah, this Anders Brevik, he has created huge devastation in the centre of Oslo, like in the heart of Oslo. Um, one of the one of the programmes I watched about it, they were interviewing a shopkeeper there and he's the C, they showed the CCTV from inside his shop and all the windows blown in. And, oh. and um, yeah, so... Uh, the aftermath of it looked a bit like... Do you remember the terrorist attacks in Canary Wharf years ago? It I reminded me of that. That's how it looked. All the windows were blown out. Because it's mainly office blocks mm-hmm. around there. And it looked just like that. He, he'd done a fucking job on it. I was swimming. And I, I lived in Newham at the time. <clears throat> and I was swimming, Kaz. And we all got evacuated because yeah. when that happened... Because we was about 10 minutes away. Yeah, you would have been. And we all was wrapped up in, you know, the full blankets and all that. But in the pool, I remember the pool shaking mm. because we were that close. Yeah, mm. yeah. Wow. So you do vividly remember yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Um, so amongst some of the victims of that bombing, there was there were quite a lot of, like I say, about 200 people injured. Only eight people actually were injured mm-hmm. fatally. Um, there was a lady who was age 61 called Hannah and she was a receptionist in the security department of the government administration services. Um, there was a lady called Tove, 56 years old. She was a secretary with the Electricians and Information Workers Union. She was just on her way to the underground station. Um, there was someone called Kai who owned the bar and restaurant next door. Um, a lawyer who worked in the Justice Department. Um... Yeah, there was just, yeah, that's it. There was um, uh, Anne, 51, senior consultant to Norway's prime minister. So she, I mean, she must have been working in the PM's office, I suppose. Mm. So it's lucky he wasn't in that day. Um, Kirsty, um, age 26, worked on international issues in the Justice Department. Um, so yeah, most of them were government officials, but not all. Yeah. And you can imagine if you're injured by a bomb, you could have life-changing injuries. Um, easily could have life-changing injuries, yeah. couldn't you? 100%. I know after, um, you know, the 7-7 attacks that we had over here, uh, when was that, 2005, wasn't it? After that, you, I mean, because we live in a commuter belt, don't we? And mm-hmm. you see people in their wheelchairs and whatnot because mm-hmm. they were survivors of that attack. Yeah. So even though they're not a statistic, like, it's like, you know, you say, oh, X amount of people have been killed. There's a lot more that have had 
almost died and their lives never same yeah, again. Life altering injuries. Absolutely, yeah. And this piece of shit still like whinging at his PlayStation ain't up to date. Oh. oh, couldn't you just wing his neck? Prick. Prick. Uh, yeah. So anyway, the bomb explodes, mm-hmm. and um, this Anders is seen like someone notices him leaving the van dressed as a policeman. And walking off, so they alert the authorities. It gets obviously, you can imagine there's a lot of calls going through yeah. to the authorities, but this call gets through and it goes out to everyone. They all um, have the registration number of the car that Anders has got into. Oh, wow! And it goes out across all of the police stations. Um, but unfortunately, it doesn't actually make it to the right place at the right time. By the time it gets to the like local police mm-hmm. near to the island that he's going to, um, the the uh, computer isn't uh, isn't attended to. No one oh. reads the message, so it doesn't actually get out in time. So yeah, he um, gets in the car, drives off, and makes his way to the ferry port, which would take him to the island of Otawa. And um, the the ferry isn't there, so there's a man obviously on the mainland, and and he's like proper authoritative. He's like, "Have you heard about what's happened? There's been a bomb." I need to get onto that island, get that ferry here right now. Mm. And he's so convincing and his ID stands up to scrutiny so well that they, one of the youth workers gets on the ferry, comes over and gets him no. and then accompanies him back on the ferry to the mainland. Um, he gets on the mainland at 5.17pm mm-hmm. and he's greeted by um, three of the adults who, um, I think two security guards and the camp leader. And... Um, they're making their way to the main building. They're walking along. And no more than four minutes later, he kills all three of them with his handgun. Um, some of the children are st- uh, just milling around and stuff and they witness it and they start screaming and panic sort of ensues. So they start screaming and running and things like that. Um, obviously, as soon as they get to safety, they're on the phone calling their parents, telling them there's a man on the island and he's shooting us, killing us. Um, so the alarm's raised on the mainland. Um this is the ferry's obviously gone back to the mainland in the meantime as well so now the kids are trapped on the island with this fucking maniac who's got a shit ton he's got a massive fucking bag full of ammunition and i think he's got three guns with him um so they're sitting ducks lauren this is the trouble this is why the body count's so high because they can't fucking escape so they run off um and then they'll just try and hide the best they can Mm -hmm. Um, I've watched loads and loads of eyewitness videos and stuff. Yeah. There's loads on YouTube and they're absolutely brilliant. These children, their English is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They're very descriptive. They don't cry or blub or whinge or anything. They're just really, really descriptive about it and Matter calm. Fact, yeah. Very grown up, like wise beyond their years kind of thing. And um, and some of them, like, you know, they've got scars, they've got fingers missing and, you know, they but they're not, they don't feel sorry no. for themselves. They just crack on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah... The survivors all sort of have different places where they hid. Mm-hmm. So, and in the meantime, they raise the alert on the mainland. The police call the anti-terror police, which is like the Delta Force unit. Mm-hmm. They're called as well. And they try and make their way to go and assist. Now, the trouble is the Delta Force unit, which is like the armed police. I think Norway's like this country. The police don't carry guns. Yeah. Um, but you, we do have a branch of armed police, don't mm-hmm. we, which you can call for things like this. So they come along in a helicopter and quite a lot of people, they're just confused about where the island is, how to get get on it and things like that. And I think they tell them to land in a golf course, which is not that far 
it's not really that close to where oh, the ferry shit. port is. So um, I say ferry port, it's just a little landing with a tiny little ferry that yeah. goes to and from, but that's how you access the island. And um, so they tell them to go there and then some units of police, they drive to the where the ferry is and then they're told to assemble on the golf course. So they've all just been sent in the wrong direction kind of that's thing. Bad. There's a lot of confusion. Yeah. Um, and the reason for this, I've got you some, just a couple of statistics about Norway. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Right, let me just find it. So Norway is it is one of the safest countries in the world. Yeah. Um, it's the happiest place to live. Oh, here we are, Norway crime statistics. So Norway frequently sits near the top of the world's happiness chart, a list usually dominated by Nordic countries. Um, in the 2019 rankings, Norway occupied second place behind Finland. Wow. Behind Norway were um, the other Nordic neighbours, Denmark and Iceland. Um, although not a direct factor in the criteria for producing that list, crime levels are an important barometer to consider when gauging the happiness of a nation. Mm-hmm. Um, Norway's murder rate is very low. In 2020, the country recorded just 31 homicides. And although that was the highest rate in seven years, um, reports revealed that killings are predominantly carried out by men and that the perpetrators knew their victims. So it sounds like, so in one year, 31 That's people mad. were killed. That was the highest they'd had in seven years, and it was mainly dom- just domestic yeah. um, things. So it's not like serial killers no. or, or instances like this. Um, yeah, between 2008 and 2017, seven out of ten murders were carried out in the home of the attacker, victim, or accommodation that they shared. Um, Norway's murder rate is roughly half that of Sweden. So this is why they didn't know what to do, Lauren, because yeah. they're not a violent country. They don't have to deal with this yeah. kind of shit. Kind of like blindsided, really, aren't they? Because mm. they, had, as you say, just never, ever had to deal with anything like no, that. never. Wow. It's not like they've ever had a pres- president for it. No. Nah. Um, it was the, it was this day was the most violent day in Norwegian history after the end of the Second World War. Wow. Yeah, that's how, that's how... Um, calm it is to live there wow. how pleasant it is to live there how when unviolent it is yeah yeah so that's why they just obviously they're trained but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they haven't really probably got a plan for this kind no. of thing they will do now obviously but wow so yeah this was the trouble um so back to the island five twenty three p.m so he's been on the island about six or seven minutes not very long but he tells some of the kids to gather and hunker down in the cafe mm-hmm. he, he's banging on the window and he's calling he's going i'm a policeman just because the kids they do know about the terror attack mm-hmm. on the mainland their parents have called them and said because a lot of them they are government officials so they're like oh my kids are gonna wor- worry so they're like oh don't worry i'm okay there's been a bomb but i'm fine Lucky you're on New Tower Island. It's probably the safest place in the world for you right now because oh. no one can get to you, not realising oh. what, what's actually going to happen. Yeah. So the kids are thinking, oh, good, my mum and dad's safe. I'm, I'm all right. I'm on the island. Everything's okay. Then the policeman comes on the island and he's going, everyone get down. There's someone firing. So all the kids, gather, like loads of kids, gather in the cafeteria and he walks in and he just fucking slaughters them. He slaughters them, Lauren. Oh, no. It's uh, awful. Because he's dressed as a policeman and acting like when they trust him and they do what they're told. Um, 5.33pm, he starts stalking the island. If he catches sight of a child, he just kills them on sight. So the youngest the youngest children at the camp were mm-hmm. 14. Um, there were some sort of like over the age of 20, but it's predominantly under 20s, like oh, between sort of 20 and 14. And then obviously there's the adults that work and live there as well. Um, they don't live there sorry the adults work there as well <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah he stalks the island he shoots the kids on site 
the, the awful thing is if they play dead, then he just shoots them twice in the head. So he's literally, he's not taking prisoners. He doesn't want any survivors. He, um, he walks through the woods searching and he's shouting, I will kill you all Marxists. Whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. They're children. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Um, the island is really small. It's not a big island, Lauren. It's tiny. If you can, there's quite a lot of aerial footage of the island, and it, it really ain't very big. There's a few buildings. There's a, a, an empty area where they pitch their tents. There's some woodland, and then it's all just coast. Mm. The coast has got small cliffs in it as well as you get down to the beach. Um, some of the children they run they run straight to the edge of the island, and they they think oh, I'm going to have to try and swim back to the mainland. Yeah. Um, but they get most of them they get too exhausted they're too tired and their clothing's weighing them down it's very cold and it's too far away so they turn back and um, and he just starts shooting them in the water <gasps> um, a, a news company like a newspaper they hear about it and they get in their helicopter and they fly over and, mm-hmm. and they've got footage of it happening at the time you can see there's, pe- there's people swimming in the sea trying to get away Sorry, it's not the sea, it's in a lake. Mm-hmm. And um, also you can see where Anders is on the shore and there's kids sort of like hiding by the cliff and he's shooting them. So, um, oh, I don't like it. But this is the thing. The news helicopter got there before the police yeah. helicopter. Just, they just didn't... But you've got to remember, they're dealing with a fucking bomb in the mm. centre of their yeah. capital city. Yeah. So they spread thin and this was why he done it. Yeah. This is... Fucking same MO as them Columbine bastards. Yeah. yeah. Do a bomb, distract, yeah. then go in and then shoot everyone. In. Yeah. yeah. Exactly yeah. the same. It just causes total chaos. Carnage. Absolute, Absolute carnage. carnage, yeah. They they I suppose the authorities are quick to deal with one like massive Major. terrorist attack, but one on top of the other, it's just impossible, isn't it really? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's these poor kids. So um there's an eyewitness called Adrian Praycon. Mm-hmm. 
And um, he said he saw four people get beckoned over. So the policeman's like in the clearing and he beckons over four of the people. Um, as they get to him, he shoots two at point blank range. And then the other two start to, like they run, obviously, and mm. he shoots them as they run away. Um, he saw some kids hiding in their tents, but Brevik noticed like he'd walk around the tents and if one was zipped up, he'd just undo the zip and kill the child in the tent. Um, he was one of the children that tried to swim away and he turned back. So he said he jumped like Adrian. He's um, he's very. They're all handsome, aren't they, Scandinavians? Yes, exactly. But he's very handsome. Classically, blue eyes, blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Looks really nice. Little boy. He's not little. He's about eighteen mm-hmm. or so. When, at this point, um, so he, he tries to make a swim for the mainland. He said he got to a certain point and he thought, oh, "I'm going to drown. I'm going to drown." So he started to swim back, and he said as he was climbing out of the lake, he, the water was about um, thigh high. Mm-hmm. And he was just about to climb onto the shore when Brevik came out of the woods and he said Brevik was no more than like 10 or 12 metres away from him and fired the gun. No, he held the gun up and um, and he said, I'm going to kill you. And um, Adrian just, he just screamed, please don't kill me. And and Brevik just put his gun down, turned around and went, walked back in the woods huh? and left him alone. Um, now, Adrian, obviously he's, been interviewed about this and blah blah and he said at the trial um Anders Brevik said the reason he didn't kill Adrian at that point because he does shoot him later on but that's later on in the story the reason he didn't kill Adrian was because he looked like one of him he went oh he looked like one of us blonde hair blue eyes I thought he was more on my (sighs) side so um yeah crazy isn't it but um, um Adrian he said that even though He'd never prepared for a situation where he's had to run for his life and survive. He said his body just took over his brain. Yeah. And by the time he had the thought to run and hide, he was already moving and hiding in the woods. He said that that survival instinct just kicked in big time. Um... So yeah, he he screamed, "Don't shoot me!" at him, and even though he was he was shooting kids all around him, he didn't shoot him. Wow. So yeah, he said Adrian looked like looked right wing and not like a Marxist. The skeezer, his ideology is just all-consuming, yeah. isn't it? It is. Um, twat. Yeah, you can say that again. Tiny micro-penis twat. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> uh, another eyewitness, Vilna Hansen, aged 18. So he was one of the boys that was on the cliff. Now, this little boy, they'd made a film, actually, on Netflix called 22nd of July, mm-hmm. and he features in this quite heavily. Um, obviously, it's an actor playing him. But he's on, like, the actual boy. I watched an interview with him. Um, again very handsome Mm -hmm. but he oh my goodness me i don't know how he survived it's mental so he he was hiding on the cliff obviously the cliff is as far as you can go before you've got to swim so there was him and a few others they were on the cliff and they were sort of like hiding underneath it um anders shot him five times shoulder forearm a bullet grazed his thigh shot in the head and his left hand and he said um he said he put his hand up to touch his face and he could feel his brain so I thought well I better not do that again <laughs> um, he lost the sight he also lost some fingers but um, yeah he was in a coma for about six days while they put him back together but I'm you really... can't tell I mean he's he said his head's got a metal plate but they've done a great job he, wow. he don't look like he's been shot in the head um, he he was studying law when they interviewed him. I think yeah. it was probably about four or five years after they did an interview with him. And he was studying law and um, he said, like, he's not as... He said, I'm never going to get A grades or anything like that. He said, I'm not 
ever going to be like a brilliant athlete or that sort of thing. I do need to rest more, get more tired. And then at the end of the documentary, he said he got he got like four egg rays or something. Oh, good boy! Like, oh, amazing. Yeah. But yeah, he had um, he had brain damage. He lost a sight in his eye. Mm. Um, let me see. He lost a sight in his right eye. He was in a coma for six days. He had brain damage, and. Um, at the trial, so we've skipped forward in time a little bit, but at the trial, they did the witness statement yeah. and they said, what is it like to lose the sight in your eye? Mm-hmm. And he replied, it was, he went, it's useful as I don't have to look over there and indicate to where Brevik was sitting. Ah, oh, good boy, <laughs> I like him. So yeah, he's basically like, <laughs> have one of them to fucking yeah. Anders, dickhead. Um, so I'm, I presume Anders thought, I've shot this fellow in the head, he's dead. But he yeah. didn't, he didn't die. And his, his his little brother was on the island with him and his little brother was fine as well. Oh, so really? thank God that family come away, in, you know, Unscathed, no, no fatalities. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so another girl, her name was Kamsi. And um, so she's interviewed the same time as uh, Vilna. And she was about, she was 14 at the time. No, hang on, let me just check. Yeah. She, um, I think she was about 23 yeah. at the moment, uh, when she was on the island. Yeah. And at the time of the interview, she's actually deputy mayor. Oh. So obviously all these people, they are very political, they're high achievers, they're going to have good jobs and stuff when they grow up. So she's deputy mayor, she's also a mixed race, right? And she tried to swim away with another little boy. Um, she said, she saw that she was on the shore and there was this 15 year old boy who went to go and swim off and she thought, I can't, le- he's 15, I can't leave him. So she swam off with him. And um, I think while they were away swimming, he shot everyone on the cliffs. And by the time they came back, he'd fucked off. Uh. Or maybe she got pulled out because there was lots of locals um, went out in little boats and picked the kids up out of the water as well. They were rescuing them, obviously, before the police could go and settle everything down. But she did survive, so did the little boy. And it's funny, her take on it... It's a very different attitude they've got out there to law and order and crime and punishment. Mm -hmm. It's... Very different. It's hard to get my head around because I think I always think, oh, you know, throw away the key, blah, blah. Yeah. But she said, oh, I wouldn't put him in prison. She said, if it was down to me to, to determine what happens to him, I would make make him work with um, refugees and things like that so, it, she can, so he can understand that his idealism isn't correct, that wow. working together and integration is the way forward and it's not a bad thing and it's nothing to be frightened of or angry about. That's what she said. That's really, she was on the island. Yeah. She's a survivor. She saw loads of her friends. That's such a grown-up, mature kind of stance. Forgiving to take. as well. Yeah, very, very forgiving. Very forgiving. And when you come to see what um, sentencing he gets, it's it, you can, it must just be a culture over there, which I think might be quite a good thing. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Who am I? To, I'm, I'm, I yeah. don't know. But I found that a really interesting comment yeah. that she said. There's another eyewitness called Ilva Shrink and described running away and getting shot in the shoulder and twice in her stomach. And she shows the scar. It's sort of like, she said it's her shoulder, but it was actually um, more like the side of her, you know, where your neck joins your shoulder, that yeah. bit? Um, and she's got a big scar there. And she said that he used expanding bullets. <laughs> I mean, as if it's not bad enough. So as soon as it hits its target, it expands to create maximum havoc. Um, she hid under the cliff and she scrambled down. They called it the love path. So all the kids are running along the love path, which is through the woods, and they scrambled down the hide under the cliff. Um, and he shot her. legs were sticking out, though, so he shot her in each thigh. 
and she was with another girl and she said that they just talked to each other all the while they were waiting to be rescued and she uh, put pressure on her neck wound and tried to stay calm because she knew if she panicked her blood her heart would pump the blood quicker and she'd lose more blood more quickly she's 14 years old wow. at this point 14 mental isn't it yeah um she said she thought she was going to die and she um she thought well i've had a good life you know I'm a bit disappointed I'll never get to see the last Harry Potter film, though. Oh, God. So, yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I'm welling up. These people yeah. are phenomenal. They These are. children they are, are absolutely phenomenal. I mean, if that was their parents, I'd be so proud. They're heroes of the story, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they really are. Um, yeah, so she... One of the, the bullets actually pierced her pancreas as well. She said they they took away... I went her intestines, so... She was um, in hospital for almost four weeks recovering there to operate on, remove some of her intestine and her pancreas. But she's, she's all right now. Um, you've got to watch some of these, these testimonies. Mm. They're really good. Um, there's another eyewitness, a girl called Jorid Nordman, and she was a worker on the island at the time. Um, she was on the phone to her boyfriend when she heard shots and she went back to school heart to plug her phone in because she was nearly out of battery. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, luckily she was in a school heart. And there was about 50 other people in there. They locked the doors and barricaded themselves in. Well done. Um, she goes in the bedroom and she's hiding out there with six other people. They squeeze under the bed and they're terrified and they, they can hear shots all over the island. And then terrifyingly, they can hear him shooting at the door to get into the school hut. And they're all really quiet. She said, you could hear everyone's stomach. Because everyone's yeah, so terrified, yeah. your st- stomach starts to churn. And everyone's like, mate, your stomach be quiet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know we're in here kind of thing. And um, I've literally got goosebumps yeah. talking about this. It's terrifying the way she describes it. Um, So, yeah, she, but he doesn't get in. It's fine. All of them people are safe because they are hiding in there and they don't let him in. Um, After the police came, they thought that there was a bomb or there was an accomplice. And... um. Yeah, they, they, so yeah, the police come, they they come in, they get them all out and everything's safe. So yeah, she was fine. But she said, as they were evacuated from the island, mm-hmm. she could see this blonde man who was in handcuffs. So she thought that must be the shooter, that must be him because he's in handcuffs. And she said he had the biggest grin on his face and he was jumping up and down like he was the happiest man on earth. What the fuck? He was fucking over the moon with himself, Lauren. She's like... That's disgusting. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so that's how he was behaving after he'd been uh, arrested. It's disgusting. Um, so, yeah, like going back in time a little bit, eight minutes past six, some locals go out into their boats to rescue some of the swimmers because it's reached the mainland that this mm-hmm. atrocity is happening. So they go out to try and reach some of the swimmers. Um, one of the men, Vigo Larson, he worked in a hotel nearby and he went out. Um, he mentioned you'd see what he thought was like a sweater or a jacket in the water and mm. it was actually a dead kid. Mm. Um, so he's going out, he's trying to rescue people anyway. So that is that is good. I mean, I should yeah. imagine they probably saved a few lives going out and doing that because yeah. the police are still blundering around. Um, they're playing golf. They're on the, yeah, they're on the Sorry. golf course. Um, at 10 past six, a policeman gathers a group together mm-hmm. at the pump house. Um. He says, it's all right, kids, you're safe. The gunman's been caught. Then he opens fire on them, kills 14 like that. Because it's him. It's fucking Anders Brevik. Oh, God. When a policeman was the shooter. Um, at, by half past six, he's completed a circuit of the island and he's returned again to the southern tip and he begins shooting again on the shoreline. So a lot of the kids, I think, that have tried to swim have had to come back and they're on the shoreline just fucking hoping by some miracle... Um, and at this point, Adrian, the boy from earlier, who he didn't shoot because he thought he looked Aryan, was shot in the shoulder. And he said five others around him were killed at, 
at that point, this is over an hour later. Still fucking, still killing kids. Still doing it. Um, this particular bit was captured from the filming from the head from the news helicopter. You can see him doing it. You can see the tall guy yeah. and all the kids on the floor. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Um, Adrian describes it. He said even though it was only oh, it was about uh, seventy nine minutes it took for him to be stopped. Adrian said it felt like forever. He said a part of him will always be on that island. Um, he'll never leave it. But he said it felt like forever. He said, it, I'd like to say everything went in a flash. He said it didn't. It just felt like forever and ever and ever. We was like hunted. Um, but yeah, Adrian, they believe, was the last person that he shot. He um, was out of ammunition. He walked back to where the buildings were and that's where he gave himself up. He surrendered. So yeah, eventually the Delta unit do make it to the island. They were struggling to get across because they had transport issues. They mm-hmm. didn't have a boat big enough to get them and their equipment on. For some reason, it didn't occur to them to use the ferry. Yeah. I mean, that would be the obvious thing, but they just didn't... I think sounds like there was a lot of like flustering and... Yeah. I don't know, but... So they, they <coughs> jumped, jumped onto some civilian boats and made their way over there and he's handed himself in, giving himself up. Because his attack is a three-pronged attack, so... Prong one, bomb. Prong two, the massacre on the island. Prong three, the trial, where he's going to get to talk bollocks about his mm-hmm. manifesto and his stupid beliefs and, and et cetera, et cetera. So he doesn't want to die. He's got no intention of killing no. himself. He's got no intention of going out in a blaze of glory. He thinks he's a hero. Can I interrupt just a sec? Yeah, of Stop course. calling it his manifesto because it's a fucking copycat of anyone else's ideals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's just put his name, copy and paste. Yeah. That's what we'll call it. I bet half it's copy in German. It's probably Mein Kampf, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> just I don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, to save resources, the police, they interrogate him in one of the buildings on the island. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he describes himself as the leader of the Knights Templar, which he says is a group, mm-hmm. which has got uh, cells in 12 countries and 15,000 sympathisers. This all turns out to be a complete claptrap. None of it's true. Mm-hmm. He's made up the Knights Templar. I mean, there is the Knights Templar, but he's made up this version of it. Mm-hmm. He's made up his role in it <laughs> he's made up a stupid uniform <laughs> have you seen the picture of him in that yeah. uniform because i see the picture in the uniform with these medals and i'm thinking but he weren't a soldier so what the fuck he was he made it up yeah, yeah. he's delusional he's just he lives in a fucking yeah. cloud cuckoo land <laughs> so um so yeah and then he says to the place at this point that the third cell has yet to be activated he's part of a very large terror group and um the third cell was going to be activated if they didn't start listening to him. So he said he claims he carried out these acts as self-defence, as these other people, the liberals and the Marxists, in his words, believed in something that he didn't, for example, like integration, being Islamic, feminism. And he said he felt that he was defending himself, he was defending his ideals and his beliefs. He says it was a political action and he demands that his he's got a little cut on his finger and he's like oh, I need first aid for it and I've written here dickhead because yeah. he's being a dickhead like there's kids with he can touch his brain and he's worried yeah. about a cut on his finger stupid cut do you know how he got that cut Kate? yeah but I weren't going to say okay. it because it's Let's bollocks no it's stupid yeah. um, he said he cut it on a piece of someone's skull and he was killing him mm-hmm. and it's just like oh mate how much do you want to big yourself yeah. up yeah I'm going to I'm going to call bullshit on that as well good girl I bet it was just a paper cut yeah. Or, I don't know, I, I don't care, he's an idiot. The yeah. least time devoted to this man, the better. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, 
He's arrested and he's charged with violating paragraph 147A of the Norwegian Criminal Code, which means causing destabilisation or destroying basic functions of society and creating serious fear in the population, mm-hmm. which are both classed as acts of terrorism in Norway. He thought he should be treated as a hero because he did preempted preemptive attacks against the traitors. All in all, he killed, on the island, he called he killed 69 people on that island uh, but 495 of them survived and um one of the docs i watched one of the people um he was 15 at the time sindre lizo mm. so in 20 um fifth in 10 years later they took him back and people still go in 2015 the camp reopened uh. and they started doing it all over again um they took Sindre back when he was age 25 and he showed he was showing the camera crew around and one of the buildings has got this, it looks like a fence, but each piece of the fence represents, um, I think there's 495 pieces of fence and that represents all of the survivors. Oh. And then there's like a memorial, it's got the names of all the people that that died on the island oh. as well. But um, but it's, it's lovely, it's lovely that everything's back to normal. He, he didn't succeed. Apparently applications to the Labour Party went up so much after this atrocity it all completely backfired on him it's not he's hardly a shining example of what the alternative is is he so Mm -hmm. it completely backfired he didn't nothing come off the back of it that he wanted um so yeah on the 12th of august 2012 he was found guilty and he was sentenced to containment preventative detention for 10 to 21 years uh, 21 years is the maximum sentence you can get um but this this version of it containment preventative detention it can be extended indefinitely ah, if they feel good. that you're still uh, going to be dangerous so um he <laughs> this is ridiculous he filed a civil lawsuit against the government of norway um he was complaining about the conditions that the conditions of his confinement were a human rights violation um, <laughs> even though he has access to a computer, a PlayStation and a gym, he believes he's been un- held unfairly because um, he, he spends a lot of time in solitary confinement and he has his correspondence confiscated to prevent him from c- encouraging further attacks. So I think they're worried, you know, if he has communication with like-minded mm-hmm. people on the outside, he could navigate another attack from behind yeah. bars kind of thing. So they're quite rightly stopping him from doing yeah. that and he thinks that's a violation of his human rights. Skeezer, what Absolute a moron. Joke. I'd say he must be on drugs, but he can't be. Yeah. Um, right, so when he turns up to court for the civil case, they take the handcuffs off him. Immediately does a fucking Nazi salute. As you do. Yeah. Because you know, most normal people walk into him and go, Hell Hitler. I know. Have you yeah. seen the picture? It looks like a fake arm. Did you not think that? It looks it's, like someone's imposed that arm. Yeah, but his face looks fake as well. Yeah, though. it does. He looks plastic. It does, yes. Yeah. He just looks, the whole thing of him is like a... Fucking weird yeah. little Nazi robot. When I looked at it, uh, you know, we have to look again, <laughs> yeah. thinking something's really off here. Like, I can't, it, it was all off. It pa- perhaps it was from that cut on his finger all yeah. them years ago, Laura. Maybe it went yeah. old, <laughs> <laughs> Good. Hopefully, hopefully some yeah. maggots got in there or something. Yeah. So, do you want to hear some of the ridiculous things that he was complaining about yes, in this civil lawsuit against the government? Yes, please. He complained about excessive handcuffing. He said his windows were not providing enough natural light. He was complaining that the guards wake him up to check that he's still alive. Oh, God. <laughs> and this is, the, this is the icing on the cake. So um, they only provide him with enough butter to do, th- to do three slices of bread when they know damn well he likes to eat four slices Stop of bread. Stop it. What a prick. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure I read somewhere as well that he was moaning that they won't let him play like Call of Duty and stuff. Yeah. They only let him play baby games, like well, kiddie games and stuff. And They let him have a PlayStation 2, yeah. obviously, so we can't play online and try and that communication. Precisely, yeah. Get more people under his wing. I doubt if he's allowed online. But he's, no, but, so that's why mm. he's got PlayStation 2. But that's one mm. of his complaints. He wants an upgraded PlayStation. Yeah. All his friends have it in prison. <laughs> he ain't got no friends. <laughs> Everyone else has got, why ain't he got one? It's because he, they don't want him online. Yeah. They don't want him communicating with anyone else. Well, I know they said he's got a computer, but there's no way he's allowed to go no. online because he'd be able to communicate and he's not allowed to do no. that. But yeah, he's not allowed to play any uh, big boy games either, Lauren. Good. He's only got to play little things like, I don't know, one. maybe Angry Birds. Yeah. I am not a gamer. Crash Bandicoot. What's it would have been Spyro. <laughs> oh no, Lord, all of them, yeah, that's what he'd be playing. But yeah, he's Little upset about dragon. it, and apparently, if you was to give him that game, you'd be violating his human rights, Lauren. So there we have it. Prick. Okay, okay. So even though he said he'd renounce violence, he still gave Nazi salutes on the opening day of his hearing. So this is after 10 years, you're allowed to apply for parole. Mm-hmm. So this is at his parole hearing. He walks in. It's not going to win you many friends, is it, when you start it off with a Nazi salute? But there you go. In This is hilarious. I oh, know I shouldn't laugh, but the guy's just—he so doesn't understand yeah. how to get people on board with you. Yeah. So it, um, you'll get—I'll oh, get to the point. I'm just gonna read this out. In its ruling, the court in Telemark in southeast Norway said that it did not trust Brevik's claim that even though his ideology had not changed the way had not changed, he would now only promote it through peaceful means. Prosecutor, the prosecutor argued that the mass killer was still a very dangerous man. And a similar assessment was provided by the psychiatrist who assessed Brevik several times and was adamant he could not be trusted. <laughs> I mean, the three judges found that as his psychiatric condition had not changed, there was a clear risk he would repeat the behaviour that prompted the murders carried out on the 22nd of July 2011. The court said it had no doubt that Brevik still today has the ability to commit new serious crimes that may expose others to danger. His lawyer argued that Brevik's prison conditions made it difficult to prove he could be trustworthy. Um... Anders Brevik, age 42, has never shown any remorse for the 77 murders carried out. First near the offices in Oslo and then on the island of Utaya. And um, the parole hearing, which came 10 years after he was jailed, enabled him to repeat far-right conspiracy theories and display Nazi salutes. He told the court that he had renounced violence and terror. (laughs) This is the bit that cracked me up. And argued that it was possible to be a Nazi without being violent. (laughs) You can't say a straight face can you? No. Fuck me. Massive fire roll in the world. That is just a joke. Seriously. This guy. If you could pick a group in history or in ever, (laughs) what is the most violent group you can think of? I'd say the Nazi group. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) They're not peaceful. Definitely not peaceful. I know, but this is a man who's trying, who's applying for parole. And A, he doesn't even say he's sorry. B, he says he still believes that everything he believed for 10 years before. And then he says, yeah, I'm still a Nazi, but, you know, we're, no, we're good guys. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> we're the good guys. So just, I um, don't want to leave it on him because I don't want to glorify him too no. much. I've not spoken about him very much because I don't think I need to. Um, his actions speak for him himself mm-hmm. really um so these i picked out three of the victims from utaya mm-hmm. so the oldest person that died was trond bernstein age 51 and um he was an off-duty police officer who was working as a security guard on the island that day um also strangely enough he happened to be the stepbrother of the um 
Crown Princess of Norway. Oh. So yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. Yeah. Weren't we? Yeah. Um, so he was the oldest victim that day on the island. And we have the two youngest people were only 14 years old. Wow. Johannes Bo, age 14. Um, there was a little bit about him. He was an independent boy with a good sense of humour. His parents told, said um, he was interested in dogs, hunting, snowmobiling, and took an active part in his youth community. And there was Sheridan Svek Bone, age 14. And... Um, Known as Sissy to friends and family, uh, she was a schoolgirl and was described as beautiful, caring, and a vibrant girl. Oh, love them! Yeah, fourteen. These two people were. Yeah. yeah. So, um, there we have it. The guy's oh. still behind bars now, and hopefully, not enjoying himself very much. But no. who knows? So, yeah. Thank you thank for listening, you. everybody. Um, we hope you have a good day, and we hope that you like our first episode of Series Five. Hey. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye.